Welcome to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast and week two of our adjustments series. And this week we're going to focus on the idea of define and refine. When we look at our offense, defense, and special teams, we need to do things and make those little adjustments to refine exactly what we're doing. We spent all that time in the summer installing, getting the big picture. Now as we go through the course of the season, it's to bring our offense, defense, and special teams into high definition with some fine tuning. So let's start with the offensive side of the ball. And again, I watch games every week, every level. And after Friday night game, one team in particular was struggling to get their passing game going. And two issues became very clear. The first one was that they didn't have an outlet for the quarterback. And we'll go into some tendencies in a couple of weeks. But the main issue is that this team only looked to pass on second and, and long or on third down. And I thought that the defense did a nice job with their coverage. And most times the quarterback was left without an option and ended up forcing the ball into coverage often. I noticed that the protection they were employing was a seven-man protection for the most part. The tight end stayed in, the running back stayed in, and you had three receivers releasing downfield. It didn't look like there were any conversions for those guys. Uh, there was uh, some type of a vertical switch on the one side on one play. can't remember what the other guy did on the other side, but what I really saw was, number one, they were definitely outnumbered, and number two, they, they weren't doing anything to really stretch the defense high-low uh, horizontally. And it's hard to do when you only have three receivers out in a route. At the very least, if you went half-field and you needed to work a half-field combination for your guy, that maybe you look at, can I swing the back out or can I leak that tight end out late or uh, get him across on, a, on some kind of a low, low drag uh, or even like a, a Y cross. But in this particular instance, I felt that the, the quarterback uh, didn't see his options and would force the ball into coverage. And we'll get into some of these fixes in, in a minute here. Uh, the second thing I saw was that uh, he, he really didn't seem to have an escape plan. And I think as part of any passing progression, the last thing the quarterback needs to understand that's part of what he does is that he needs to have a plan to start his escape. Now, sometimes he's forced a certain way uh, and needs to uh, needs to, to just roll with it and react. But I think a lot of times there's, uh, you know, we, we term them here all the time on t- TV, covered sacks, right? Well, a covered sack just means that everything's been covered downfield, that guy's in the pocket, patting the ball, and doesn't have a plan to get out. So I think giving him an escape plan is essential. And when you look at, many of the protections that we put together, there's a natural release. So I know one of the big ones we utilized was a, a slide protection. We would man up the backside tackle with the defensive end, and then everybody else would slide. If we were going six-man, uh, the running back would be responsible for checking a gap and then um, releasing. And typically, he could release unless it was by game plan that we were going to take that out and he was going to go help somewhere. But in this instance, we always looked to that B gap. And, and for us, it was letting the quarterback, uh, especially as our, our quarterbacks became more experienced, let him call the protection and be responsible for where that is so he understands where that, that B gap escape is. 
but when we had younger players, we did turn it over to the center and the quarterback would just listen and understand based on a call that if things aren't open for him downfield, he's going to go ahead and get to that escape plan. So for us, again, it was the, uh, the B gap away from the slide to the man side. And that's where we would start things. And we had drills that we put together. One of the ones I would work early on just to teach them this path was B gap open or B gap closed. And I simply would set up five trash cans, turn those things over, put them into what felt like a pocket and simulated the slide. And he would see that the B gap there was open. And typically what happens, one of two things, you're going to get that edge rusher who really goes uh, deep into the pocket and you're going to step up into that. Or, you know, he might be stalemated or, or hanging out a little bit more towards the line of scrimmage. And as the quarterback starts there, the reaction might be that that guy folds inside and now you could go basically a C-gap escape and get to the outside. I think the other thing too is defining your escapes, that the quarterback understands that I have some ways to move in the pocket and working those every single week. So I'll put a link to those. I have them on YouTube, the the, uh, B-gap open, B-gap close drill. Uh, I think... Just starting with that, helping them understand within our protection, here's where we want you to start your escape. Now, it always doesn't work out that way, as I've said, but now at least you start to have that plan. The other thing I really like to do within that drill after I've taught them the path is to put some guys out there where they be on a particular route. And I think everything needs context. So even in this drill, we would give them a call. And what what we're having simulated is that where he starts on the front side of his progression, that those routes are taken away. So as I see him get into the pocket, and again, we're working uh, a no-pressure escape here, I'm going to see him stick his foot in the ground looking at that first route, his rhythm route in the progression. If you're going R4 advantage route, if you're going something like Dan Gonzalez does, we'll talk about his axe progression in a second here. And then get to that next route with... A hitch up or a shuffle up one step into the pocket and then on his third one he's heading towards that B gap which a lot of times was away from that front side uh, with that we like to have routes coming into his vision on the back side so again something I learned from Dan Gonzalez he liked initially he would call it basic and it was two digs that he was bringing into the vision of the quarterback I also like a dig with uh, a shallow in route here and the back then could check out and release to the outside so now as the quarterback's escaping he sees some routes available to him within his progression and so we would just put guys out there simulating the different points whether it was a dig and an in route etc where the quarterback can step up and we'd have a guy raise his hand So the quarterback then triggers that throw, right? We want him to maintain his status as a passer as he's working all the way up to the line of scrimmage before he tucks that ball and runs. So the next thing I did mention was having an operating system. And I mentioned Dan Gonzalez's axe. I mentioned R4, which uh, is, you know, Dub Maddox put together and kind of where we progressed to is we had a little bit of a hybrid of, of both of those things um, with the way that we had it really liked what Dan calls the third fix. So let's go over Dan's operating system. And so ACT stands for Advantage, Concept, Third Fix, and Scramble. 
And an advantage route is one that will begin the progression and typically be hit on the last step of the drop. And these time up with route breaks as well. So if you're you're looking at this in terms of where this is going to break, how many steps, typically uh, this is uh, a seven-step in-breaking route, a six-step uh, out-breaking route on, a, on the corner. And that times up, if, if it were to be a deeper route, like you were working double post, that would go two more steps. So you're looking at that advantage route first. It's the one you're going to hit on the last step of the drop. If you're timing those up and you know using, I think it originated with Homer Smith, the, the timing progression, and I know Dan and, and Dub use it as well, that's going to hit at about 1.8 to 2.0 seconds. You're getting the ball out quick with those. The C in Axe stands for concept. And the QB in this system that Dan's put together typically has two routes that work in a combination and, and we'll keep it simple, like a curl flat, which is going to have a certain type of read. And in this case, it'd be a, a key defender. So you would look at your advantage route in this. And, and, and for a lot of times, if you're working curl flat, you know, it's usually some kind of spot over the middle of the ball that the quarterback can get out right away. And then he goes to that key defender. Again, moving your feet, uh, moving your eyes and feet through the progression. The T is for what he calls third fix that I mentioned before. And that's bringing routes into the quarterback vision. They're, they're more of the backside combos. They allow the quarterback to move his eyes and feet to a different part of the field and have two more options coming into his vision. So as I mentioned, like a dig and a five-yard in. <clears throat> and the S stands for scramble. And again, that's that QB escape plan. You want him to understand that if you don't like what's downfield, it's okay to throw a check down if you have that built in or run. And I think a lot of times quarterbacks, especially young ones, think that they have to throw the ball on every down, especially forcing it on third down. And you, you want to think about what's, what's better, you know, an interception at 15 yards or the opportunity to line up and punt the ball and, and knock it 35 to 40 yards down the field. So again, for him, we'd always tell him to maintain our option to kick the football, right? Don't turn it over in those situations. Don't force it. Scramble, pick up what you can. And a lot of times, if you have those guys dropping deep into coverage, especially if it's man coverage, you're going to have some room to run. So you want definitely want to work some of those. And if you, you haven't worked it yet, I think it's a good time to do that. So in addition to that, and I wish I had some video on it, but we would run weekly, and usually on Mondays, a scramble drill against our defense and I would instruct the quarterback to have, you know, three to four movements that he was going to do in the pocket, usually three moves. Now, sometimes I would tell him to throw, you know, to look at a certain pass. So if I was using Dan Gonzalez's axe, I might say advantage, uh, A gap, B gap, right? So what that tells him is if he's taking his drop, sticks his foot in the ground, if he has the advantage route in this scramble drill to go ahead and throw it. Uh, the, the next thing would be, I said A-gap, so he's going to take an A-gap movement up into the pocket, and I would stand there and direct him on that. So he's taking the snap on the ball, he looks for the rhythm, he looks to me, I point him right or left. All right, after that, then I'm going to point to the B-gap I want him to go to, and he's going to start 
right there and, and continue and work his scramble. So as he gets to the B gap, he's certainly looking to maybe get to that third fix, throw some of those routes that are coming into him. And if he doesn't see them, doesn't get the check down now, we would tell him don't cross the line and run at this point. Keep the, keep the drill going. So turn it into a, a C gap or a D gap where he's going to step up. It's not there. He has to get around and continue on the move to find his throw. Now, obviously, we're going to give a play on every single one, right? You, again, want that context. The defense is going to call their coverage, and the, it's going to go on until that ball is thrown. So you're working all your scramble rules within that, and I think it's a great way to get your first team or second team or some of that uh, simulated movement in the pocket that you know works out a little bit better seeing the full coverage. You have all your receivers working their scramble rules, and now that gets that ready. So on game day, they could go out and execute it. Want to shift focus to the run game. And in a couple of games I watched this weekend, saw some teams doing really well with the jet sweep or the fly sweep and, and some struggling. And I think this is a place where you can add some definition, sticking to our, our theme of define and refine. And uh, something I learned early on and was able to uh, reach out and talk to Mark Speckman back when he was at Willamette University as the offensive coordinator. And he had, a, he still does have a stoplight system for his jet sweeps. And so it, it's a red, yellow, and green uh, system. And it allows them to be successful in various situations, right? When, when you think, when things get stopped, sometimes you tend to get away from that play, right? And Coach Speckman, really believing in the fly sweep, says we're going to sweep and then we're going to sweep some more, right? He's going to stick with the sweep and get that established because it's going to make everything open up. Much like teams who run the outside zone or the stretch play are really going to get that as their starting point because it's going to really start to distort the defense. So uh, he uses, as I said, the stoplight system. So the green light sweep for him is one that's going to get outside. Green means we're going to get to that perimeter. We're going to block it up in a way that we should be able to get to the ball, the ball to the outside. Now, the yellow light sweep is one that's going to read the block of the tight end a little bit more, right? He's going to read that last man on the line of scrimmage, much like an outside zone version of the play, tighter aim point than the green light sweep. And the goal is to, you know, for the tight end, let's reach the defender, let's get the ball outside. Um, but the tight end can run and continue to, to try to reach him, tip him out later, turn it into a kickout block. But the, the coaching points then for the sweeper became see the butt, cut it up, when in doubt, take it out, right? So now it's more of the play that I need to read this last man on the line of scrimmage. This isn't automatically getting outside. And now that running back and the tight end know that we're going to make this right. And then the red light sweep for him is a cut it up. So when you have that team that's really trying to leverage you to the outside, you can tag it as a red light or, you know, he would just tag it with the colors. And the tight end or the, the blocker assigned to that end man on line of scrimmage is kicking him out and the sweeper is getting up inside of that block. You see uh, many of, of the NFL teams use this variation with a tight end or a flex tight end. And it, again, as I said, it's much like that outside zone cut made upfield by the back, right? So that play is going to stretch to the edge. He's going to stick his foot in the ground and get vertical. 
So when you have a defense that's flowing hard to stop the sweep, it gives you that inside lane, and this is a good adjustment for it there. So think about that definition. Can you tag your sweeps in order to, one, go green light, get it outside. Number two, read that end man on the line of scrimmage in yellow. Or number three, cut it up like in red. And I think that's something as you develop that, I think the definition that it'll give you is something that continues if you're a jet sweep team uh, to to really keep that play effective for you. You want that to get going so it opens up other things as well. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, I saw a team that really had uh, a more defined escape plan for their quarterback. This kid was scrambling you know, throughout the game uh, pressure, non-pressure, but he's able to leave the pocket and gain some big yards and move the chains, right? And that's something we saw early on in utilizing this, especially as a, our, our quarterback was younger, early season. Maybe he'd see some man in situations. There was one team in particular who loved to use cover one uh, in those third down situations and get everything covered up tightly. And he he rushed for like 70 yards that game just on his B-gap escapes, non-pressure escapes, didn't like what he saw downfield, coverage was tight, and he took that that ball right through the B-gap and gained a lot of yards for us. So how do you stop it on defense? If you have that team that has that scrambler, you know, you, you watch teams in the NFL, uh, you see guys like Lamar Jackson, man, that guy can make you hurt uh, with his legs, right? Not everything has to go all the way down the field. So you need to have, obviously, a good contain rush, but now as that guy's forced to step up into the pocket and get to the inside, you have to have a player in there as well. So you would utilize a spy. Some teams call it a rat. And the idea is that uh, you're, you're having somebody assigned specifically to the quarterback uh, to make that tackle as he starts to leave the pocket, right? He's, he's got to be there to make the play. Uh, this was... You know, one we'd see it from a few different people in our conference. We would use it as well. We liked it in two-man. We would just call rat two-man, and we have that guy on the quarterback. Uh, typically, if you're doing it from a two you know, interior linebackers, one guy is going to take the back out of the backfield, whichever way he goes, and then the other guy is left to spy on the quarterback. So as you're looking at this, if you are facing that team that you start to see that guy, man, this guy really scrambles quite a bit. You might want to think about tagging a spy into your coverage, somebody who is responsible for them. And I'll put a couple examples in our show notes. Uh, One from Brandon Jacobson, who's a defensive coordinator at Heidelberg University, and he explains their cover one spy, which he likes on their money downs. And the other is Nick Davis, who's the defensive coordinator at Ottawa University, and gives an example of his two-man uh, spy there. Getting into the special teams side of things, uh, the one thing that came up is something that stuck out to me, a missed opportunity, something that could use an adjustment that maybe down the line this team will be able to block some punts by allowing the player to have some variation. So when we think about how we teach punt block, a lot of times we're going in hands low out in front of us, extending those hands through the block point. And if you get through clean, that's a good technique, right? It's it's a surefire way to be able to block that punt. But something I picked up from uh, Brian Mason as I moderated all these clinics this offseason, he's the special teams coordinator for Cincinnati. And he talks about getting long and, and 
getting one hand out there, right? If you think about uh, this principle and, you know, taught it before with offensive line, I've taught it with defensive line. The concept is that one arm is longer than two. And think of it this way for a visual. If, if you don't understand what I'm saying, go stand in front of a wall and, and reach out and get far enough away so that with two hands, you know, you could put your fingertips on that wall. All right. So those two arms right there have a limited distance out in front of you. Now I want you to take and just turn your body and put one arm out and you're going to see that you could probably put your palm on the wall or even have a little bit of bend in your elbow there. And that's the idea that one arm is longer than two. And so the technique that they use as they're getting through is really, you know, as a last ditch effort, as you're getting towards that punter, you know, to abandon that, the, the two arm run through the ball fake and just extend again, turn your body and extend that one hand to be able to get a piece of that ball. And, it's something you can work in your block drills. Uh, it's something that you know they've had uh, a lot of success with it, blocking punts, altering punts, and he calls it their block party drill, which I'll share in the show notes as well. So those are our adjustments this week, offense, defense, and special teams. Again, we'll be giving you these throughout the season, and uh, we'll have a blog that goes along with this where I should say we'll put it in our show notes on coachingcoordinator.com that's going to have these videos and video links as well. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski. Again, keep tuning in to the Coaching Coordinator podcast throughout the season.